You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Good morning. It is Thursday, September 9th. You are listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Lance Glenn. No games tonight, but don't worry. If I'm correct, and I checked the schedule, so I believe I am, every Thursday starting week three will have games. So while you have to wait until tomorrow this week, next week, and moving forward, you'll be able to watch college football Thursday nights as well. A lot of big games on the docket this weekend. Washington goes to Michigan. Oregon travels to Ohio State. Texas and Arkansas face off in an old Southwest Conference rivalry. But I think the game of the week, the biggest one of all, is the annual Cyhawk game, perhaps the most anticipated in history, a top 10 matchup as number 10 Iowa heads to Jack Trice Stadium to take on number nine, Iowa State. So I thought to myself, there's really only one person that I can have on to talk about this game. Joining me now, he lives down south, but his heart has and always will be in Ames, Iowa, the host of Late Kick, Mr. Josh Pay. Josh, how we doing, man? Thanks so much a, for coming on and joining me. What a beautiful intro, Lance. You know, if I show up to my family reunion in Weedowie, Alabama, it doesn't make a lot of sense to them. But I would imagine when we land in Ames, Iowa this weekend, it will make perfect sense to us. And that's really all that matters. First time I've ever been to the state of Iowa. I cannot overstate enough how much I've been looking forward to this one. So I'm ready to go. Yeah. And I mean, look, you you got, like I said before, probably the most anticipated Cyhawk game ever. As I said, a top 10 matchup, number 10, Iowa, number nine, Iowa State. And look, I want to start with this before we get into the game. It's well noted that you are on the Iowa State train this season. You're a big proponent of Matt Campbell and the Cyclones. Is it their, we don't belong here, yet we are here nature? Is it the way they develop lower-rated recruits into stars? Do you just love Central Iowa so much? You know, what is it about the Cyclones that attracted you to that program? Well, it was, no lie, Matt Campbell. I mean, it. all right, let me back up, because this was before Matt Campbell came there. I've watched Iowa State games from afar, and I've always thought that the environment I saw at Iowa State games was disproportionately underappreciated. Everyone knows about LSU. You know, everyone knows about the big environments. But I would turn on down in Columbus, Georgia, where I grew up, I would turn on an occasional Iowa State game. And even if they got beat, I would say it just doesn't seem like it was easy for that team to go in there. Like if Texas were to go in there and, and win, they'd have to crawl over broken glass to do it. And I always was just fascinated by this culture that growing up down south, I knew nothing about. It's in Iowa. To me, Iowa might as well be Russia when I was a kid. I didn't know where it was, but I always watched it from afar. So then I grew up a little bit and Matt Campbell comes to Iowa State and he was already at Toledo preaching a lot of the principles and values that I believe in that you have to have to build any long-term successful organization, college football or anything else. And there's a story out there. I know all our Iowa State fans have read it, but I would encourage anyone who hasn't to just check out the story about Matt Campbell when he was with Toledo. And I think they went in there to play Iowa State. And he talked about telling his wife, you know, how much I love this place and how incredible this place was. And, and that stood out to me. And so I also love the color pattern. I mean, Hulkamania and Iowa State are synonymous with me, even though I know they're wearing different colors this Saturday. And so there is a lot that I love about sports in general that 
is embodied by Iowa State. So there's just too much for me to like to ignore it. So that's why I love Iowa State. And, you know, on, on late kick, you had a nice, I think it was minute long rant. I saw the, uh, the clip posted on the 24-7 Sports Twitter about how this game makes college football so great. You know, you'll be at the game as well. What are you expecting from what will obviously be a, a sold out Jack Trice Stadium in a game that's really two years in the making since obviously COVID did not allow it from being played last season? It's a standalone environment. In our world, in the TV world, when we say standalone, we just mean a game that is not being opposed. It's running unopposed, as they say. So there's no competition in the ratings market. But in my vernacular, when I say a standalone game, I mean a game that we can watch and appreciate and suspend all of this attachment that we have been told we need to have between everything you see on the field and the college football playoff. That is not the context I've ever viewed a college football game within. Uh, That is not the backdrop that this game has any business being played in front of. It doesn't have to be the tapestry that is woven into every contest. Standalone to me means you can watch this thing and in the second quarter, if it's tied nine to nine and it's third and two and Iowa is at midfield and that place is just deafening, you can watch it and you can look at the pageantry and you can look at the colors and you can look at the just the liveliness and how into this particular moment those folks are. And you can realize to yourself, nothing about the playoff matters right now. All that matters is this next play and all that matters is this game. This is a game that stands alone. It exists just as several major college football games should do unto itself. It is a world that it's happening in that doesn't have to have any attachment to any other thing. That's what college football Saturdays are supposed to feel like. Yeah, and it really is the marquee marquee game of the weekend. Obviously, I know I mentioned before in the intro that uh, Oregon's going to Ohio State, but this game, like you said, it really is the marquee one. It's the it's the highlight game of the week uh, for week two. And now I want to look at it and I want you to kind of put yourself in the shoes of an Iowa State fan. And look, they they won, which at the end of the season is the only thing that matters. But going into this game, does only beating Northern Iowa 16 to 10 worry you at all? Especially since you look at the flip side, Iowa dominated Indiana, forced Michael Penix into three interceptions, two of which obviously went back all the way for touchdowns. Okay, so now this is where I think you have to get a little granular because if you notice, if you take a look at the odds-making market, I think there was a little indicator. As we know, people who set the numbers, they react a little bit different than, you know, your average fan does. They really didn't move the number. In the futures market, it really didn't change. Their perception didn't change. And so I think a casual fan that, that doesn't really spend a whole lot of time paying attention to gambling, they just love the sport, they would rightfully look at that as you just did and they'd say, you know, Lance is right. Northern Iowa doesn't even crack double digits per year in recruiting rankings. They're, they're in the hundreds. And they pushed Iowa State to the very limit. Meanwhile, This three-and-a-half-point spread on the Iowa-Indiana game looks silly because Iowa just pulled away. So, obviously, Iowa's the better team, right? And then you you pull up a point spread, and even with home field factored in, odds makers are telling you, no, no, we still lean Iowa State. And that doesn't impact the game. The game is the game. It'll turn out the way it turns out. But what I would say they're probably looking at that I agree with is Iowa did a phenomenal job in forcing turnovers. And Iowa did a phenomenal job in pressing the issue, period. But what happens in a forward-thinking predictability model is that stuff normally doesn't carry over. And you learn that if you you know, simulate this stuff out or you have to make a living on it, you realize turnovers are wonderful. It's the name of the game defensively. You want to take the ball away. Does it reoccur week to week or is it more random? And so, in other words, is the stuff I saw I would do against Indiana seamlessly going to roll over this week? That's the first question. I would lean more no than yes, but it's always possible. And the second thing is knowing 
what Iowa State was playing without, uh, namely an All-American tight end in Charlie Kohler in week one. And getting him back and understanding also Brock Purdy not really being used in the run game much, if at all, last week. It just it leads you to believe there's a lot more in the offensive arsenal of Iowa State that we didn't see last week that you'll probably see this week. Now, I'm not a big believer in that approach, and it has stung Matt Campbell before, but I still think that's what's up. For the record, I think that's what Oregon did against Fresno last week. And to a certain extent, I think Ohio State may have done that against Minnesota. Well, they all won. And so now, you, just as we watch that Oregon-Ohio State game, you watch this Iowa-Iowa State game. I'm not talking about up and down the field fireworks show, but I think you'll see a lot more versatility and creativity in the offensive game plan this week to where when you're watching it, even if Iowa State were to lose this game, I don't think you're watching it and saying to yourself, yep, I saw this coming last week as it turns out. So looking at the game itself, right, give me an X factor on both teams that needs to stand out for each to win. You know, maybe Brock Purdy or Bruce Hall for Iowa State, Tyler Goodson or Sam Laporta for the Hawkeyes. Who do you have your eyes on for both teams? Yeah, I, it's a huge day for Tyler Goodson because I think even though he has his own accolades, I still think he is a very local to regional name, whereas Brees Hall is a national name. And I can guarantee you, if you ask Tyler Goodson and you ask people in that Iowa locker room, they would tell you, we don't think our guy takes a backseat to anyone. It's just that media has disproportionately anointed Brees Hall. He's a good player, but our guy's good too. Well, the fun thing about this, Lance, is it's not hypothetical. We're not comparing players across different eras. We get to see both of them on the same field, not at the same time, but we get to see him heads up Saturday. And so Tyler Goodson, if Iowa were to win this game, you know, outside of Sam Laporta, whether it's accurate or not, they didn't appear to have anyone else ready to step up in that pass game last week. Now, now fairness, they didn't need it because they had pulled away. But Sam Laporta was their primary target last week. Uh, they have other guys who are capable, but I do not think another receiver is going to have a nine catch, 185 yard, two touchdown type day here. If they win the game, it's going to be Iowa football. It's also going to heavily rely on, on Goodson. Now, on the other side, I really think, like I said before, Either inability or unwillingness to run Brock Purdy last week, I don't think carries over this week. But I'm also very interested in just watching overall what impact does Charlie Kohler coming back have? You know, how, how willing is Matt Campbell knowing he's got a bunch of guys returning? If you will never trust a roster more than he should trust this one right now, how much is he willing to lean on that? Third thing that, you know, may very early on change that approach entirely is if they see that they can run it, for you know, five or six yards per carry on a very, very unproven Iowa defensive line, then, I mean, it, it becomes academic at that point. That's kind of like Georgia last week. Georgia may have intended to throw the ball. When they realized Clemson couldn't score, all that went out the window. They changed it on the fly. So those are some things I'm watching. So, Josh, a couple more from me. And this one might take some real thinking, but I really want your opinion on it. Where does this rivalry rank in comparison to college football's other great rivalries? You know, I don't know if it's Ohio State, Michigan or Auburn, Alabama, but is it, I guess, a tier below that like some of the other great in-state rivalries are in like Florida, Florida State, Cal Stanford, Texas, Texas A&M? Where would you put the Seahawk game in the uh, in the rankings, I guess, of college football's best rivalries? Well, I'll tell you, it's probably in the process of evolving as we speak. You know, Miami and Florida State wasn't premier until it was. Uh, the Iron Bowl has always kind of been premier, but there are some other rivalries out there that weren't premier until they were. 
Well, obviously, you have to have a high profile. You have to get the white hot spotlight on a game to get anything more than local or regional attention. This is that moment. Now, what happens Saturday and what happens in the future? What kind of long-term recruiting impact and what kind of investment impact and donor impact does this have? That goes a long way. What kind of number does it pop for ABC or whoever's carrying the game? That goes a long way. But I'll tell you this, if I'm an Iowa State fan or I'm an Iowa fan, I couldn't care less about anything we're talking about right now. It's number one. That's the answer to them. It's the biggest rivalry, which is all that matters. My last question, and, and it's a big one, what's your prediction for Saturday and who comes away in the 2021 version, perhaps the biggest version of the Cyhawk game this season. So here's what I wanted to know in this game and games like this. I want to know, is there a quarterback edge and is there a defensive line edge? It's really what I want to know. I think both of those edges, either slightly or significantly, are going to go Iowa State's way. Now, full disclosure, Lance, I ran this game through our own model, our own in-house model. And whereas the number is Iowa State minus four, we had it Iowa State minus like 1.9, so minus two, essentially. So we think it is razor thin. It's razor tight. So if you want to take points, I mean, this is the kind of game where if they're giving you more than a field goal, yeah, go for it. I don't really have a strong feeling against the number at all here because it could be very much could be one possession either way. But I am taking Iowa State to win this game. That is Matt Campbell's first win against the Hawkeyes if it does indeed go down that way. Well, you heard it here. The host of the Lake podcast, Josh Pate, he's choosing Iowa State. Really no surprise. You know, he's as I said, he's his heart's in Ames, Iowa. He will be in Ames, Iowa this weekend to watch. Uh, at Jack Trice Stadium as Iowa State hosts the Hawkeyes in, as I said, the most anticipated Cyhawk game ever. Josh, thanks so much for coming on and, you know, have fun out there in Ames. Really enjoy your first trip to Iowa. I appreciate it, Lance. Will do. Big thanks to Josh for coming on the podcast. Follow him on Twitter at Late Kick Josh. A huge game in Ames this weekend. Lots on the line when Iowa State hosts Iowa. For Josh Pate, my name is Lance Glenn. Trey will be back with you tomorrow for the next edition of the College Football Daily. all-star studded challenge ever and this time it's every competitor for themselves best challenge ever the challenge all-stars new season now streaming on paramount plus go to paramountplus.com to try it free terms apply